Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Patty Rogers. Patty is the founder and CEO of B2B Digital Assistance. In 2009, she ditched the monotony of corporate America to create her definition of personal freedom. Her goal is to help small business owners create more effective and consistent sales through marketing and automation. And I'm delighted that she's agreed to come in and share some of her secrets with us here on the conference room today. So Patty, good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I feel honored to be here. Yes, absolutely. As you probably know, all heroes have an origin story and you're Mm -hmm. the hero of our story. So how did you get from the drudgery and monotony of corporate America to being the CEO of B2B Digital Assistance? What's your origin story? Oh, so interesting. I think like most entrepreneurs, our stories are typically like sometimes we fall into things and that's sort of what happened. So I'll give you the high level. So let's go all the way back to 2009, actually even a little bit before that, because as big life changes happen, sometimes that includes having children, which was my case. So our first daughter was born in 2008. My family, my husband and I decided that I should stay home with our child. That was the plan. And I very quickly realized that, wow, that is an incredibly important role. And I have huge respect for the people who do it. For me, there was a little part of me that didn't feel fulfilled. I needed that business side of me, that part of my brain needed to be working in a different way than it was caring for our daughter. So I did what is most logical, I think at that time, because B2B digital assistance was not actually my first business. My first business was a stay home daycare, which when I say that out loud kind of blows my mind because it's just so not my personality. And what's interesting and what I've learned about myself over the years is that part of me, like what I loved about having an in-home daycare was the business. I loved the marketing, the advertising, the onboarding of clients. I loved all of the things that included building the business. And I actually hired someone else to be my hands-on person. So I loved what I do now, the back office. And that quickly transitioned into B2B digital assistance because after our first daughter was born, I was, became pregnant with twins. So my daycare would very soon be filled only with my own children, which kind of defeats the purpose of having a daycare. (laughs) So what happened was I had the in-home daycare and then I started working as a virtual assistant because it was very easy. It played to my skill set from corporate America, which was all administrative operations type of work. My husband had a friend who ran a money management, like a money advisement company, as well as assets under management. And he needed someone to work with him. Nobody really knew what a virtual assistant was back in 2009. So I did that for a long time. And then kind of typical entrepreneur, I have that light bulb moment of like, wow, if this one guy needs my help and needs this much, this many hours for me to devote to his business, there must be other entrepreneurs out there. 
let me think about this. And that's really where it all started. So I ran my virtual assistant company for a very long time. And when I became certified with Keep, which is formerly Infusionsoft, my plan was to run those two companies parallel because I knew they would cross over. I knew that entrepreneurs needed virtual assistant administrative type work. And I also knew that this marketing automation thing was like really cool. And I was very good at it. I'd already been doing it with that first client for like eight years by the time I became certified. And so funny, as you look back over your journey, I think it's just really interesting to do that, especially, you know, 10 plus years later. So again, my plan was to run them parallel. And I very quickly realized that I was overcomplicating my life to run two businesses. And at that same time, there was also a huge influx of virtual assistants. I mean, everybody you talked to was a VA, a branding VA, a social media VA, anything like just insert the specialty and then put VA on the back end of it. And I knew that what I did was something different. So I really took some time to focus on my skills, what I did best and what I really enjoyed doing, because my gosh, if we're going to run our own businesses, we really need to enjoy what we're doing. And so that's when I did a full pivot and went all in on the marketing and automation. Okay, good for you. You mentioned Keep slash Infusionsoft, for which, for which you are certified. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about what Keep and Infusionsoft is, what it does, and mm -hmm. how being certified has helped you add more or different value to the client base. Okay. Yes, 100%. So as you said, Keep slash Infusionsoft. So Infusionsoft is what it has been named for the last nearly 10 years. And they rebranded about, it's going on two years ago now. So they rebranded to Keep, K-E-A-P, and Keep is a marketing and sales automation platform for small business owners. Okay. For people that don't really understand what that is, yes. can you Perfect. walk me through, let's look at it from what problem is it that they solve? As in when you, in your experience, when you go to a customer, for whatever reason makes you go, do you know what these guys really need? Yeah. Some infusion soft. Okay. They Absolutely. really need to be Keep. Yeah. All right. So what are you seeing? And mm -hmm. then what are the specific things that Keep or Infusionsoft or that type of software can do that can remedy those problems or fill in those gaps? Perfect. Absolutely. So first, let's clarify, just for anybody who doesn't know what a CRM is. A CRM is a contact relationship management database, which in the crux of itself is a place to store all of your people, your contacts, name, email, phone number. Now, where people are before they need something like Keep is they're running their business and typically they are keeping track of names and phone numbers on a post-it or they have one massive spreadsheet with everybody they've ever talked to, name, phone number, email, and it could be 50 contacts, it could be 5,000 contacts. So those are a couple of the places where people are and they're overwhelmed. They're losing things, deals are falling through the cracks, they're forgetting to follow up with people. All of these types of things are happening and showing up in their business. They could also be doing what I refer to as they have kind of a duct taped system. And what I mean by that is maybe they started out and they started using like MailChimp, a free software, which has its time and its place for their CRM. And then they're using Calendly for their calendar management and they have their website and they're taking payments through a third party platform. And then maybe they build a landing page or two. So they kind of have all these little pieces that are all duct taped together. Now, do things work when they're duct taped? Yes, 100%. Do they work as effectively or seamlessly as they should? Not really. Like think about in your home, like anything that gets duct tape on it, you know, a broom, something that has been duct taped as the method to fix it or hold it together, like it might work temporarily, 
but it's probably not the long-term solution. So that's where a platform like Keep comes in for a small business owner, because it is as close as I have seen to an all-in-one platform to run your business. And so when I say all-in-one, what I'm referring to is a CRM, which we talked about, a place to store all of your contact information, a way to segment those contacts. So these are my leads, these are my customers, these are my former clients, so on and so forth. A way to collect payments, these are all in the same system now, remember. So instead of having 10, 20 tabs open, we have one open. Integrated calendar management. So a link that you can send to people and they can book a time on your calendar, building out landing pages, sales pages. And then of course, marketing automation, which for me is the big piece. So I'll leave it there because I think we're going to dive into email marketing and automation a little bit more. That's right. So when you're going into a customer, what primary problems are you seeing that something like Infusionsoft would solve? Good question. So typically people are the types of business owners that I'm working with. It's kind of a little bit of a piggyback on what I just said. They either have zero systems, meaning pen and paper, Excel spreadsheet to run their business, or they have too many and they're overpaying, overcomplicating, and they're just their systems don't communicate to each other. So we all got in business, we as business owners, because usually we're really passionate or we're really good at one thing, whatever that is, it doesn't matter. Like pick your one thing. And then where business owners find themselves is the business of running the business gets in the way that can show up in a lot of different ways. It can show up in not following up with leads. Like I just mentioned kind of analysis paralysis, like not knowing where to go. Cause you literally have so many things swirling around in your head and you're not moving the needle forward effectively. And one of the things that I like to talk about when we're talking about challenges that business owners face. So essentially business has really three primary buckets, right? Marketing, sales, and fulfillment or operations, whatever you want to call that. That's one I would call it fulfillment. So a solopreneur or even a small team, but let's focus on a solopreneur because that's where most people start out. So we're talking about those three buckets. So they're doing the marketing. They're showing up wherever their people are. That could be in-person events, online, choose your social platform paid ads, organic, it doesn't really matter, but they're doing their thing to market their business, right? And they're doing really, really well. And you have to start there. That's the beginning of the flow because people have to know about us, right? So they're doing great on the marketing. And then what happens is their marketing starts to work, which is amazing, right? That's what should happen. So marketing starts to work and they have to switch gears into sales mode. So now they have to put on that sales hat and close that business, right? So what happens when they're focused on sales? The marketing drops off. Think of it like a gas pedal, right? If the gas is on the sales, then the foot is on the brake in terms of the marketing because they can't handle anymore. They're tapped out. And then when they close that sales, same thing. Then we switch over to fulfillment. Having that happen of this like on and off stop and start type of situation lends itself and it leads the business owner to feast or famine, to that inconsistent and that roller coaster. Because then they have to start the cycle all over again. And what we really need is that marketing piece to be constantly running and to use our systems or automation to be working in the background, getting people closer to the sale. No, absolutely. So, okay, the $6 million question. Yes. How do people people do it? What are your primary tips when you're going into your customers? What are the primary pieces of advice or primary changes that you seek to implement? Really good. So I think first, it's really important for business owners to like take a step back. And unfortunately, this usually happens 
years into the business. We get into business and we're like, oh yeah, I'm going to serve everybody. That's typical, right? And we're not going to talk about niching and all of that today. But what typically happens is business owners, when they first get into business, usually it's a consulting type of arrangement, right? You're going to pay me X dollars per month or per year, whatever. And I'm going to provide you X hours. We're trading dollars for hours. And what happens is we very quickly come to a cap because we only have so many hours in the day. So we either have to, this is kind of part of what we talked about, right? Automate versus delegate. We have to rethink how we want to run our business. So honestly, one of the first things that I tell my clients to do is really design their life and build their business around their life. Because as you read in my bio, the whole point of being an entrepreneur is so that you have that control. And usually what happens when business owners start is they give all their control away. They give it all away and they're just available. When they do this trading time for dollars and they're taking consultants type, like retainer type clients, which I'm all for, by the way, I'm not knocking retainer clients. But usually what happens when business owners start is they're just giving all the control away to the clients. And it's almost more like an employee employer relationship. Like people are texting all the time. They're emailing at all hours. There really isn't. And the consultant is available all the time. And it's a great way to build your income quickly, but you really don't get that control. And that leads to burnout. It leads to burnout very, very quickly. And again, it's great money because it's probably somewhere in the thousand to 5,000 a month range, which is good. That's really good money when you're first starting out, but it does lend itself to some of those issues. So what I recommend to my clients is really design your life first. Like, do you want to take Fridays off? Do you want to start your day at eight or 10? Do you want to work three days a week? Like, how do you want it to look? And then build the business around that. And this kind of goes to that start with the end in mind, right? That we're all familiar with. Mm -hmm. What do you want it to look like? Start at the end and work yourself backwards. Right. Okay. Let's dig into email marketing, marketing automation, sales automation. So I would just say the primary sort of building blocks that people need to have or people need to think about when they're starting with, or not just email marketing, but marketing automation and sales automation. Okay. So this is a hot topic. It's a topic that a lot of business owners, it intrigues them. And I think it's my personal opinion that business owners sometimes get it backwards. And the reason I say that, because it's usually one or the other, it's like, should I start to automate my business and pay for some of that software and a person who's going to help me do it? Or should I delegate? And most people go with the delegation route. And where I think this is- Why do you think that is, by the way? I think business owners feel like it'll be easier to delegate tasks to another human. And they're thinking, okay, I'm growing, I'm building my business. Now I'm building a team and I'm growing. And if I'm growing, I must need a support person. And while that may be true, like I'm not saying that it's not true. I think that business owners should look to automate as much as possible first as a first step and then delegate the things, then delegate what's left. So just flip-flop it. And the reason I say that is a lot of times when someone hires like a VA, we talked about that. I love VAs, by the way. When someone hires a VA, usually they're hiring them to do administrative tasks, right? To follow up with emails, to check in with so-and-so. Well, we can use automation to do those things. We don't need a VA to write the same email, you know, 50 times a month. Like you can have a system do that for you. And what we really want is to 
have a business where, again, we can automate as much as possible. And then when we bring in the delegation piece or the VA, then they're doing all the things like really fine tuning that onboarding experience, writing the SOPs, like all of those things that are really setting us up to scale. So if you ask me, I would say automate first and then delegate because the business owner, the other thing too, is the business owner, right? The face of the business owner needs to be out there marketing. Mm. That's not something that you can automate or delegate. So our focus should be a lot on the marketing, right? Doing podcast interviews, doing Facebook lives or whatever platform you're on, TikTok videos, it doesn't matter to me, whatever your platform is, making sure that you're getting your face and the name of your business out there in front of people and then have your support staff come in and support you, right? And lift you up as the business owner. Right. Once you've kind of made that determination of what you can automate and what you can delegate, okay? Mm -hmm. And again, taking a page out of your playbook, automating as much as you can first and then delegating some of the rest, okay? What steps should one be taking when determining what or how to automate. automate? Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. So one of the easiest things that a business owner can do, anybody can do this and it's free. It doesn't even cost any money. Two things, actually. I mentioned MailChimp. There are a lot of CRM platforms that you can use that are totally free, 100% free up into a certain number of contacts. So MailChimp is one just get all of your names and emails and phone numbers out of wherever they are. That could be a stack of business cards that's stuck in a drawer. Everybody has them. I know it. You don't have to raise your hand. Every single person has a stack of business cards, an Excel spreadsheet, a post-it notes, notes that you've written in your calendar, contacts in your phone, gather them from all the places and get them all in one central location. That is the biggest tip that I can give anybody. Get them in one central location. It will just save you hours of searching through old text messages, old voicemails, everything. That's the first thing. The second thing that is very easy and can be $0 is to have an automated scheduler to get on your calendar. So it's 2021, gone are the days of back and forth, What's next Tuesday look like for you? Oh, I'm busy at 10. Oh, I've got two, but I'm Pacific and you're central. Like there's no need for that. There are Calendly, I mentioned it before, is a free platform. It connects with your calendar, wherever you keep your master calendar, Outlook, Google, whatever. And then essentially you put in the types of meetings that you want to give people, whether that's a coffee chat or a strategy call, it pulls your availability from the calendar and presents it to the prospect. And then they can book a time that is convenient for them. It shows up on your calendar. It shows up on their calendar. Everybody gets a reminder. It includes a Zoom link or a phone number. It's beautiful. Those are two things that every single person should be doing no matter what, because they're totally free. And then beyond that, I'm going to give you an example because I can't remember if we talked about this previously, but I'm an online business owner. A lot of people that work with me have online businesses. And there's something really important to note about this. I touched on leads and sales falling through the cracks. And this is where the next piece of automation really comes in and is very, very important to people. So think of, for example, you're driving down the street and your car engine starts smoking. In that situation, you need to find a mechanic like now, right? You're looking around, you're going on your map, on your phone, maybe, and you're finding the closest place because you have an urgent, urgent need. So that's that business. And that's okay. That's great. We online entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, service providers have a different type of business. And what happens is when we're talking to someone, 
it takes seven to 13 touches to go from prospect, like unknown person to closed client, seven to 13. So Simon, do we have a moment to do a little math? Of course. Okay. Oh, I love math. Excellent. I'll quiz you. <laughs> it's easy. Don't worry. Go on then. Uh, so let's just say that we're on online business owner now. And here's the thing, online business owners, typically in those categories that I just talked about, coach, consultant, service provider, usually they're making a thousand, hopefully per client per month, right? It might be less depending on the types of programs, but let's just go with a thousand per client per month. Okay. And typically we don't need a lot of leads. Actually, we don't need like hundreds of leads per month, not even close because we have a higher price point, right? For our customer. So we need some solid leads per month and let's just go with 10, right? So we have 10 solid leads, really warm leads per month. Now we're going to go with the minimum. So I said seven to 13, so we'll go with seven. So we need to reach out to those 10 people seven times per person, right? Okay. So what's our math? We've got 10 leads and we need to reach out to them seven times per person. I believe that's 70, Patty. You got it. 70. Very good. Yay. Okay. So the question now becomes... Who listening to this podcast has time to do 70 individual touches per month, right? Well, if you say 70 per month and there are 20 days in a month, 70 that divided by 20 is three and a half. So yes. three and a half a day. That's only three and a half a day. You are absolutely right. But they're manual touches, remember. So we still right. have to do the marketing. We still have to fulfill on our current clients. We still have to do our other sales. We still have to do all the management, the invoicing, the creating new programs, if that's what we're doing, tweaking things, we still have all of our regular responsibilities, right? We have those three and a half or 70 per month of whatever they are, right? It could be a DM. It could be a text. It could be an email. It could be a phone call. It can be all sorts of things, but business owners typically drop off after the third. Yeah. And, and I'm being generous when I say three, like usually if someone kind of raised their hands or shows some sort of interest in our business, the business owner, typically, I would say that most will get to two, one phone call or one email and one follow-up, mm -hmm. right? But to get to three or even seven for the same person, especially if you're hearing crickets, like if you're just over there following up with the person and they're not replying they're not emailing, they're not calling you back. There's a lot of stuff that starts to come in internally in terms of our worth, right? We start to think like, oh, I'm annoying. They don't want to work with me. I called too soon. I called too many times. They don't like my voice, like whatever. We come up with all sorts of crazy things in our heads and then self-sabotage sets in and we stop. You know, it's interesting just as a very slight deviation, but just to sort of add to what you're saying is yeah. that I don't remember whose podcast I heard that said this, but if you imagine your entire market and people who have the means, the authority and the need of what you offer, imagine that as an iceberg. Okay. Mm. The tip of the iceberg are the people who are ready to buy right now. Everybody else that's under the water, they're the people who have the means, the authority, the need, but the timing isn't right. Yes. Okay? Because that's the key, the key, the key point. So just kind of leading on to what you're saying, the reason yeah. why they're not getting back to you, the reason why it's crickets, the reason why all these things are the touch back from that outreach isn't happening. Mm -hmm. For 99% or maybe a bit less percent yeah. of the time, it's nothing to do with you. It's all yeah. to do with timing. And that's yeah. why having that constant outreach is there because I don't want to steal your thunder. I'm sure you're going to kind of build on this theme is that when the timing is right, you don't want to have given up calling them two months ago and they've forgotten about you. You want to be top of mind. That's right. That's right. hundred percent. Yeah. 
you hit the nail on the head. And it's so simple, right? Like the way we're talking about it, it is so, it's such a simple concept, but it's something that most business owners struggle with. Like I'm not going to say almost all, but most do. The follow-up game and that long-term nurture of staying in touch with people, staying in front of them. Again, it doesn't matter. I would suggest for sure that it's social media and within an email list. And I'm going to touch on that in just a second, because you never know where you're going to reach them, right? Like they may not see the first email that you sent, but they may see the third, and then they may see the sixth. And they may see the post, you know, your Facebook live or whatever later on down the road. So you never know where you're going to reach them, but you said it, you have to stay top of mind. So let me just touch a little bit on social media versus email and and a list, because there's a lot of talk that email marketing is dead. Email is dead. And there's a lot of people who run their business out of social media which is fine. That is a tool in the tool belt, but you don't own social media and that's a problem. So if we're running our business solely on social media, because we have a boatload of contacts and we're talking to people in the DMS and we're converting them and we're making sales. If all of a sudden Facebook police come by and they shut down your account, you have no way to reach those people because you don't have their email address. So what you want to do and should be a primary focus is to get people to your own platform. Let me tell you something very briefly, okay? So the reason why what you're saying absolutely resonates is because one of the people that I follow on social media is Russell Brunson, and he talks very much about that, okay? And until probably the middle of last year, one of our businesses, which is our, our coaching digital marketing business, we run pretty much exclusively off of Facebook. Okay. And it was only because he said, you know, what happens if Mark Zuckerberg does like a Thanos snap and suddenly something happens, right? So I was like, well, okay, chances of it happening, but you never know. So we started migrating all those people off Mm -hmm. of Facebook and into our email marketing list. Thank God we did because in the middle of January, my Facebook account got hacked. And as a result, they got on and changed all the credentials of that digit, that business, which we completely lost control of. We're still not able to wrestle it back. But because we followed that particular piece of advice that you're giving, yeah. there was no other than kind of messaging people through the email list to say, hey, we got hacked. So this is now our Facebook thing. You know, we had to build the presence up again. But from an actual customer and lead perspective, there was no loss. Otherwise, it would have been apocalyptic. Okay. Absolutely. It would have destroyed it. Yeah. And I am a huge proponent of social media, again, as a tool. And that's where people like, especially when you're seeing that money come in and you said like yourself, you're running your business almost exclusively off Facebook, just insert your platform of choice. If it's not Facebook, that's totally fine. It's a very slippery slope to to get caught in. And just because, you know, in email marketing may not be your thing and that's totally okay. I think there's money being left on the table if people are not email marketing. And I would include in that some sort of text marketing because that is the next place that we're going is marketing. It's interesting, isn't it? Because ultimately you need to market to your clients in the way that they want to be marketed to, not the way you want to market out. Yeah. You know? There are some people who, I mean, I know from, particularly from our headhunting business, one of the things that we do when we're onboarding clients is to say, what's your preferred method of communication? There are some people that just say, text me, WhatsApp me, you know, link to message me. There are other people who are, and I honestly, I have some clients that say, don't bother emailing me because I never check my email. Right. And it just goes into like a spam account. There so, definitely have accounts that's just for their spam. Right. So if you think that's a method of communication, when you're actually in and talking to it and you're, you've onboarded a client, the same would obviously apply before 
of how a client wants to be approached and be made aware of your existence. Some people like to read emails. Some people like to see someone talking to them on social media. So yeah, absolutely. And you know, it brings up such a good point because marketing kind of gets a little bit of a bad rap just for that reason, because people are buying lists. They're emailing people even after they unsubscribe. Like there's so much negativity around it. And that's part of the reason that I partnered with Keep. So Keep is so on top of, you know, GDPR, unsubscribing, like literally if somebody unsubscribes or doesn't opt in, you cannot email them. And at a certain point, they'll just be removed completely from your database. Like as a corporation, as a company, if you are not following healthy email practices, they will shut down your ability to email because it's going to hurt their reputation as a provider. So there are not a lot of companies that do that, that are that, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, that are that on top of email marketing practices. And that's why I love this company. And same thing with their text marketing, which is something that they just came out, uh, I think August, it came out last month. So we call it text marketing. A lot of people call it SMS marketing, but it's very specific. People still have to opt in, like putting your phone number on a landing page, unless it's specifically like there's a button that you click that says, yes, I want you to text market me. People are just doing that. And technically that's wrong. Like there should be an actual opt-in process, just like an email or a checkbox that says like, yes, I consent to receive marketing material. And I get all sorts of text messages from companies that I didn't expressly give them permission to text me every single time something's going on in their business. We're going to see a lot coming up with text marketing, a lot. I think what's interesting is that where some people find those, that's discipline, onerous, uh, well, I just want to get my message out to people. I just want to talk to people. I just want to you know, if I can just tell them how awesome my fill in the blank is, then of course they're going to want to flock them to me and throw money at me. But yeah. I think a lot of people fail to realize is that if you send unsolicited emails and you send unsolicited texts, aside from increasing the chances of you ending up being blacklisted or ending up in <laughs> spam or promotions or junk mail or whatever, it upsets and alienates more people than it's going to attract. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. people, it's become, certainly over the last kind of 10 years or so, it's become much more of a feeling of almost like a violation of who the hell do you think you are texting me? I mean, yeah. no one's, let's be honest. No one's getting hurt by receiving an unsolicited text. No one's getting hurt by receiving an unsolicited email. But we do feel like it's an imposition. And that can alienate My cell phone service provider keeps sending me special offers. It really irritates me. You know, yeah. I, I get far more offended by text spam than I do by email spam. I think it's always I because, I you know, but it's I feel so much more personal. Like It does. And here's the thing. What's so fascinating about this is even with text marketing now available for business owners, there's a way to do it that is not offensive. And like you're creeping in on people's personal life. And it's very simple. It's like, you don't send like a newsletter via a text message. That's icky marketing. But what you do is let's say, for example, you are hosting an event a challenge, a workshop, something like that. Like that's a perfect place to use text marketing to get reminders, to let them know when a recording is available, to let them know when we're starting on Zoom. Like that's the perfect thing because it's a specific group of people who have already in one way, right? By like signing up for something, they've already raised their hand and said, yes, I'm interested. So now we're just going to send them a message. It's very simple. Send them an email and say like, Hey, would you like to receive text notifications before our event? Yes or no, you know, reply. 
that's different. That's very, very targeted, which is exactly what you're talking about, as opposed to like shotgun approach. I'm going to throw everything at you and hope that because I'm talking so much about myself that you're going to fall in love with me and want to hire me, which we all know is not how it works in business, right? We need to let the client know that we hear them, that we understand them and what's the feature and benefit for them. Right. No, absolutely. So what would you say your top two or three tips for successful email marketing? My top two or three tips for successful email marketing. I'm going to combine one and two, which is making sure that you have a really solid welcome sequence. So when people first come into your list, wherever they come from, they come from a Facebook, something, they opt in from your website, it doesn't matter, lead magnet, that you have a really, really solid welcome sequence, which essentially is just them getting to know you, right? You're kind of explaining, like you asked me about my journey. You're just explaining a little bit, like we all want to like, know, and trust people. So that's number one, one A we'll call it. One B is making sure that you have a long-term nurture in place, which is going to take care of all of those people who are kind of lurkers. We can call them lurkers because there's always people, like you said, they're busy, right? They're consuming our content, but the timing is wrong. So we need to make sure that we stay in their lives and we stay top of mind. And the best way to do that is to have a solid long-term nurture sequence in place. So that's one B. Two, I would say to really focus on your CTAs, which is a call to action. And I've seen so many people make this mistake of one email has multiple calls to action, multiple links. They're all going to different places. And what happens is then the business owner gets confused right? Because they're like, oh, you told me to read your blog. Oh, you told me to book a calendar appointment with you. Oh, you told me to join you on Facebook. Like already they're just like, what exactly am I supposed to do? So we want it to be narrow focused, like one thing per email, one call to action, just keep it super focused. And then the third one, I would say really spend some time to map it out or hire someone to make sure that you have the right pieces in place. Because like I said, you know, one A and one B, having a welcome sequence and a long-term nurture is really important, but we have to make sure that all the puzzle pieces fit together and make sense for the person who's receiving the emails because nobody wants to be bombarded, right? So we have to make sure the timing works and what we're sending. And most importantly, probably is that we're showing up from a place of value. Like nobody has time today to just sit around and read emails that don't provide value mm. to the reader. Right. A hundred percent. It's interesting also that I mentioned Russell Brunson earlier. He has a book dotcom secrets and it's right over there on your bookshelf there you, oh yeah i can see it over there in his book he talks about he goes into a lot of detail about how to craft a good welcoming sequence which he calls the soap opera sequence and then also the kind of follow-up which he calls seinfeld emails where it's like emails that kind of don't really talk about anything in particular but they talk about kind of an anecdote in your life or whatever that illustrate a particular point and also He's also very much on having a single call to action. In fact, he has almost like a tagline that he uses, which is a confused mind will always say no. So yeah, that's a book I could definitely recommend. So what's next for you and for uh, and for the business? Oh, very exciting. Good question. What's next for me? You saw my bookshelf over here. Um, now over here, you can see a book cover, which hopefully you can see it. It's massive in my office, but I realize it's not so big on Zoom. The Female um, Entrepreneur's Playbook. Yes, the Female Entrepreneur's Playbook. So I am part of a book anthology with 20 other female entrepreneurs. Wow. 
that is all about how to build a business that you love and get paid for it. And kind of our stories, pitfalls that we've all run into and, you know, kind of some secret sauces to success and like what we would do if things changed on a dime or what we have done. Cause some people have been like COVID just stopped some people's businesses in their tracks and they have been able to rebuild very, very quickly. So that book is coming out next month in October. So I will make sure that I give you a link for a pre-order. There's a 99 cent pre-order on both iBooks and Amazon and a boatload of bonuses that come with that from every single entrepreneur. And even though it says female entrepreneurs play I was going to say, would it be applicable for non-females perhaps? Absolutely. It just happens to be that all the authors are females, but definitely something that anybody can get value out of. And most of us are online providers, online business owners. So that's what's next. We're very excited about that. And really just, it's such an exciting time, honestly, to be a business owner. There are like, I've been working at home and running my business online for a very long time, but there's so many people that are just getting into this world. And there's so much information at our fingertips, which is kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because it makes business owners think that they can do everything themselves, which sometimes they can. And sometimes they run into some pitfalls, but it is such an exciting time to me to be an entrepreneur and see what's happening in the world and all the businesses that are just kind of popping up. And, you know, it's just exciting. It's a really exciting time, I think, to be an entrepreneur. Great stuff. And if people wanted to work with you, how can they reach out and find you? So I am most active on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'll make sure you have those links. I will also make sure that I give you, I have a free mini video series, which is automate to scale. So actionable steps that you can take to automate your business very easy, very quickly that can get you to that away from overwhelm and into more peace, honestly, like less chaos and more calm in your business and in your mind, you know, because if we're confused, just like Russell Brunson said, if we're confused and we don't know what we're doing or where we're going in the next week or month or year, so are the people that we're trying to work with. Right. And I'll make sure all those links are posted in the show notes below in the podcast. So Patty, thank you so much for joining us here in the conference room. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you, to understand more about automation, delegation, and how to scale a business. So Patty Rogers, thank you so much for joining us here on the conference room. Thank you so much. I had a blast. It was really fun. Thank you again. Coming up next week on the conference room, I'll be talking to sales and marketing automation expert and best-selling author, Eli Delaney. When it comes to the automation, a lot of people shy away from that because they have strong relationships with their clients and they don't want to lose that. And it's exactly the opposite. What it does is it helps you leverage your communication to impact more people at a time and open up the dialogues, which is really the part that can't be outsourced. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so that you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so the more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact, anything business-related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to the conference room. Until next time, keep talking. <laughs>